have a collect call from an inmate at the Washington Correctional Center. To accept the call, press 5. There's nothing like waking up to the sound of clacking and buzzing as the doors crack in the morning after count clears. Waking up to the reality of life in prison. For some, it is just a stop along their journey, a milepost, an experience. For others, it is a revolving door, in and out, in and out, and that's their way of life, stuck in the cycle, pulling and eating away at them. And then for some, it becomes their destination as the hammer came down and that judge issued him a death sentence. The slow way, by way of life in prison. This is The Life of a Lifer by Taylor Conley. Hello, friends and family. Welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Today, I'd like to sit here and talk to you a little bit about just a day in the life. You know, everything is not always easy, especially when you're inside. And being inside these walls and fences, it, it can become irritating. It's like little things can irritate you to where because you have so many different little things going on and so many different people crammed in such a small space that it's, it's very difficult to maintain at times. And the perspective of trying to do that while managing everything that I got going on makes it trying at times, you know, and it really, really tugs at me to maintain a level of calm and be able to just deal with it while having this life sentence at the same time and then trying to manage different relationships like just in day-to-day -day life from people outside and then people inside and being pulled in a bunch of different directions it can it can wear at you but when I really really realize the true test of strength is being able to overcome that and being able to stop in moments where before you would take that and take it out and act out and lash out and not be able to control yourself. So that's basically kind of some of the things that that I struggle with that I've I've been able to maintain and and it's a daily struggle though it, it really is it's something that especially everything will be going good and then suddenly all these things will just build up at once and and that's the true test of how do you handle that how do you handle those situations and being able to think level-headedly and stop yourself from doing things that could potentially risk and, and jeopardize everything that you got going on is is the level that I feel that I've grown to at this point. No, 
it is very trying at times. So when that's just not in here, that's that's every everywhere, everyday life, especially people who have gotten out and they have to deal with it out there as well. Because it's, if you spend a lot of time inside and then you have to get out and deal with people that don't understand that struggle, you know, I, I myself am stuck in here, but I get it because I talk to people that, that have gotten out, you know, guys that, whether it's they come back in here to talk to us, to tell us about what it's like getting out after doing a long sentence, after doing years and years, decades behind the walls and fences. It's, it's something that is a struggle. So I really, I really like and appreciate some of these programs that they got going on that helps people with those reentry type of things. You know, because it's difficult. It's difficult to integrate back into society. And so we, we are trying to here at Design Conviction and, and with this project and, and doing the life of a lifer is, is create those conversations and make awareness about it and, and see what's really going on and, and really how art work in all different fashions and forms can help with therapy almost as well as healing as well as being able to transpire and do things with yourself that otherwise wouldn't be possible but artwork man is, is like a beautiful thing it's something that really takes you on a on a, a journey basically and helps you to soothe and heal and that's what I do when I get in those situations sometimes I just put everything down and I do artwork or I write some music and uh and that that really helps me music music is something that really helps me to get through and speaking of music we got you know i mentioned last week i talked about a new artist that i found that i was really digging on i i really was feeling his his work and that's seth anthony he's a he's an up-and-coming singer slash rapper that uh you know he really has some powerful music. He's got an excellent voice. And, you know, so we reached out to him, man, and he's going to come on our show and do an interview next week. I'm really excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. And I can't wait to hear more of Seth Anthony's story because from what I understand about it, from what I hear so far, he's one of those guys who's done an extended amount of time inside of the penitentiary and gotten out. And now he's transcended those struggles and turned them into art he's turned that struggle into an art form lyrically he's got some just really really uh real stuff and he he puts it down he's got a great voice and uh i just i commend him and i have a lot of respect for the guy seth anthony you know, he's got a few singles out. He's about ready to drop his new album, and I hope we get to talk about that next week. So stay tuned and make sure you come back to find out what happens with that. Uh, you know, on another note, we got the Instagram for Life of a Lifer, which you can find at A Life of a Lifer on Instagram. And so if you hit us up on there and you you know, make a comment or ask a question. We have the segment at the end of the show where we like to ask questions um, or have questions asked, and, and I'll answer them. I'll get you an answer if I don't have it for you myself. And, uh, you know, 
contribute to the show, be a part of it, get interactive and see what's going on and, and really get in tune with what's what's real and what's happening inside of these walls and fences because America populates the most the most people in prison out of anywhere in the in the world by like, you know, huge numbers. We got two point five million and rising in prison population and they're just isn't an answer for it at this moment. So that's kind of what our mission and goal is, is to reduce recidivism and create a positive outlook to where people can, like Seth Anthony, turn their struggles into artwork and tell that story and, and uh, really transcend what it is that took them there to, to begin with. So with that, I want to uh, turn it over and, and let Leona get into her interview with Austin and I just appreciate you Leona I appreciate you doing these interviews with us we also have Salty Candace who is our correspondent and she also does interviews for us of the guys inside the fences which which I cannot interview so I interview the people that are out there guys that have done time different advocates people that are involved with artwork and want to have something to do with this project because we're bridging the gap between the inside and the outside. Uh, I just want to say thank you for tuning in and uh, I'll check back with you at the end and I got a question to answer. So, you know, like I said, get at us on A Life of a Lifer on Instagram and hit us up and you'll be entered into the drawing to win a free Life of a Lifer cap. All right. Take it over, Leona. Greetings, everyone. I am Leona Abraham Brando, host for Blog Talk Radio, Shedding Light. There are multitudes of men and women in prison today who were under the age of 25 when making their one and only mistake in life, which brought them to prison and which has since resulted in mass incarceration in America today. Today, we will have on with us Austin May, who is a 30-year-old individual who was sentenced at the age of 15 years and who has thus far been incarcerated for 15 years on a 42-year sentence. Austin will be talking about his case, his experiences back then, and his experiences and thoughts today after years of experiences and maturing. We are going to welcome Austin. But first, I would like to say something about people in prison serving life or life without parole and long-term sentences such as this one. Many people today, and especially now that there is talk about prison reform, many people today are very cold-hearted because of the experiences that someone they may have known has gone through some negative and painful experience. There are also people that have loved ones who were lost and also have negative feelings about giving second chances. One of the things we need to know and realize and share with others is that people do make mistakes. And unfortunately, at young ages, under the age of 25, the mind is still maturing. There are so many people who are under so much stress in this day and age, many who have not had the parental support, sibling support, or even friend support. There are many people who are going through so much and we need to be able to help them. We need to be able to find a solution other than long-term and life incarceration. 
this is something that we need to look at because if we can't understand or try to forgive and try to help the fallen, then we're just as bad. We are just as criminal-like as, as many others who are considered criminals. And we also need to look at the system, those in authority, those who are overseeing the Department of Corrections across the country. We need to look at them because they're, they are the many criminals that are getting away with the wrongdoings that they have done. So let's welcome Austin. He is on with us now, and he has a lot to share about his life experiences. Austin, are you on with us? Yes, ma'am. We'd like to thank you for being on with us, Austin, and I'd like you to introduce yourself to the audience and tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. My name is Austin. Uh, I came to prison at 15 years old for a murder and robbery. Um, I was one of three involved. I've been in now over 15 years. I've grown into a young man who has goals and aspirations and has turned myself around in many different ways. Um, today I'm a commercial electrician apprentice. I've earned an associate's degree. I'm currently working on my bachelor's degree uh, via correspondence and I have earned a scholarship to do so. I'm trying to improve myself every day because I know that one day I'm going to be back into society and needing to be a better person than I was when I came to prison. Can you tell us, Austin, when you first got sentenced and ended up in prison, can you can you tell the audience, because I know a lot of prisoners have gone through the same thing, and I know it's a frightening feeling, it's, but can you tell us what you felt like the the first time you ever ended up in prison on a on a long term sentence like this, what was your feelings at the age of fifteen? I couldn't comprehend it. I couldn't understand what had just happened. The only thing that I knew is that I lost my entire life ahead of me. Like there was no reason for me to live. There was no there was no purpose. You know, I what what good was I gonna serve? spending 42 years in prison and getting out at the age of 57 years old. Like, what what could I do for society? What could I do for myself? What could I do for my family, my friends? Anything, you know? There was really nothing to explain it other than pure loss of self-worth. Can you tell us, and I know this has happened with a lot of, a lot of young people that have ended up in prison as well. What kind of support did you have after this fall what, what, did your family stand by you? Did the, your friends stand by you? Was, was there anyone there that supported you through all these years? No, I was completely alienated immediately, you know, coming into this situation. My mom stepped away from me. My grandparents changed their phone number. Everybody had pretty much done their own thing to step away from me. Obviously, being a 15-year-old kid, there's not too many friends I had that would by me through the years but over the course of the years people have come back into my life and um, gotten to know who I am today and they have been there for a significant amount of time now but um, in the initial no nobody really stuck by me this happens with a lot of a lot of young men a lot of prisoners even elderly and it's sad because I I know that there is this thing they call anti-abortion and so many people do not agree with terminating a pregnancy. And yet, when a mother decides to keep that, that pregnancy, keep that child, and something goes wrong throughout the years, and then all of a sudden everyone is calling for this person 
for these babies who are now adults to, to be locked away forever. And this is so unfair because if, if there is a call for anti-abortion, then there should be a call for support of prisoners who have fallen, and especially at that age. And it's sad that these things don't happen. But I know a lot of prisoners, once they go in, they do. They lose all family. They lose all friends. They lose all support after they've gone in. But if the support was there before they even committed their crime, I'm sure that it wouldn't have happened. And this is what the, the people in society also need to understand. The support has to be there before. And if they fall, it has to be there after. Because it is a monumental task to help young people who have served so many years like yourself, to be able to have a second chance to demonstrate what they have learned throughout the years of maturing. And you have done a lot. Again, talk about your scholarship. Talk about some of the education that you yourself have, have gotten since you've been in. Um, the scholarship was offered by the Prison Scholar Fund, recognized in widely across the United States, really. Uh, he started it, his dad started it from prison dad was out and a guy was in prison and he needed funding for schooling because the Department of Corrections was not providing any kind of education. So his dad started a nonprofit program um, to help get money to fund people who needed education in prison. Um, he has then since been released and is now the owner, basically the operator of the company himself. It's the Dirk Van Velzen Scholarship Foundation. But I was able to earn that and I have to maintain a three-point five GPA in order to continue doing classes if the funding is available at the time. I've been in touch with, I've been put into place with mentors that have, that, that currently work at Google. You know, they, they help me throughout my classes and different things so I can bounce ideas off of them and, and just get, I guess, more and more understanding of real life, you know, and so he's connected me in many different ways with that. Education was provided through DOC to a certain extent, but in all actuality, when you have a long sentence, they don't want to give you anything because they feel that it's a waste. And the things are changing now. And with a new law that came into place here in Washington State, they're able to now release juveniles after serving 20 years. And it's a presumption of release. It's not a guarantee. But based on your education and the things you've done, you have a, a chance at being released. And so with that in place, the DOC has opened up their programming for us doing long-term sentences and so that's how I've been able to also get into other programs and such. Um, getting into the commercial industry as far as electrical, this is something that you know I need to trade. I've learned out of books but I need practical application skills. I need things that I'm gonna get out and be able to do in life and not just hope that I can use a piece of paper to say hey I need a job. I just spent 20 years in prison. Will you please provide this for me? Like I have to get up every day and go get it. I have to work in the jobs that most people don't want to. But I learned a trade, and I'm learning it currently, and I will always be learning it. But it's something that I, I strive for, is, is being able and capable of providing for myself and my future, as well as my family and friends. You know, that's where I'm headed now, and that's, that's what education has taught me. You know, I hear so much about, about the programs that prisoners want to do, the work, the work, uh, there's so much that, that's being denied to prisoners. And as you just mentioned, it took a nonprofit organization to help with the, the, the uh, scholarship. 
I, I, I'd like to know exactly why prison is a place where they want to send everyone rather than sending them to long-term residential treatment programs, long-term residential programs for, for areas of vocational training and while at the same time treating them for whether it be psychological issues or peer, uh, peer pressure type things or anger management. I don't see prisons at all um, helping the incarcerated because I, I find a lot like yourself who actually find ways to help themselves, reach out to nonprofit organizations and, and other organizations and groups outside the prison setting. So what, do, what are your feelings on, on rehabilitation as far as when crimes are committed? What do you think society should be looking towards in punishment areas? I think that Whether it be rehabilitation is non-existent in, in many ways at the, at the current moment. Like, unless you really want to do something, they don't provide it for you. You know, you have to step outside to find something to make it work. And and my feeling on that is, is that people in society have this feeling of, I'm going to go to prison and get a better education than they can pay for their kid to get. Or they can pay for themselves to get. And the argument is true and it's real, and I understand that. However, on the flip side of that is, I'm going to be your neighbor someday. And I hope that someday you can realize that you would rather have me going to a job and working a 10 or 12 hour day than waiting for you to leave your job for 10 or 12 hours a day and I rob your house. So it's one or the other, you know, and we have to distinguish that line of when are you going to open the door to understand that, hey, obviously there's a disconnect here. There's a problem. There's something going on. And it's not lock me up, put me in a place where I do the same thing every day like Groundhog's Day. It's teach me why I've done the things I've done. Once I've identified the root of the problem, I can get to the bottom and figure out how to build from it. But if I continue to do the same things, I'm going to get the same results. It's just how it is. So you put me in this position of prison, and that's what I do. I do the same things every day unless I take it upon myself to step out of that and find who I am and find the things that took me down the wrong path and led me to a better me. So I believe that people need to have the problem identified and there needs to be different treatment. There needs to be different options. Mass incarceration and warehousing is, is mean to be looked at across the nation, across the world. But we can compare ourselves to many other countries and see that we have way more incarcerated than anybody else. And there's a reason for it. It's because it's about capitalism. It's about money. That's about it. Austin, you just demonstrated maturity. You just demonstrated how people change in life. In the 15 years thus far that you have served, you just gave an answer to everyone of the solution to the problem. When there are still people in power and leadership that cannot even fathom what you just said because they don't understand. And I want to say this is so true, what you said. There were so many people in prison who were trying so hard to take to get these education, higher educational courses, to get jobs, and they are being denied, deprived of it. And we have people like the ACLU and other organizations that have the power to come together and fight these injustices, and yet they don't have that wisdom that you have, that you just mentioned. And I, I really, really, really appreciate what you just said because this is so true, and the world needs to hear this. This is maturity. You have matured so much in 15 years, more so than 
anyone over the age of 30, anyone over the age of 65. You, you just said it all. And this is exactly what needs to happen. Alternatives to incarceration. Programs, jobs, everything. You, people do have a false impression of what goes on in the prison. People in society think that prisoners have it made, that their tax dollars are going towards food and programs and all these good things that most of the employees are benefiting from, not the prisoners. Absolutely. You know what my Absolutely. thoughts are real 100%. quickly? My thoughts real quickly mm-hmm. are to open up facilities where there is a health spa, where there is a gym, and where there are psychologists, there are substance abuse counselors, there are social workers, there are mental health providers that do not side with the prison. They have a lot of contracted mental health providers in the prisons across the country. But these providers, even though they are independent, they listen to what they're being told by the officials. And they misdiagnose a lot of prisoners. There's a lot of prisoners in prison that have post-traumatic stress syndrome, not just because they might have been in the military, but because many may have been violated as children. They may have been abused as children. There are so many different types of diagnoses, but they most of them get diagnosed with the same same diagnosis, which is antisocial behavior. So these things are another issue that needs to be raised. But as you just mentioned, you went in at the age of 15 years old for committing a crime. You were young, you were immature, you didn't know better. But through your experiences and your maturity throughout the years, you should be working with the government to come up with solutions to the problem. It's people like yourself the government needs to look at and to give all these workshops and do all these things rather than have people talking about prisoners that have no experience with prisoners because they don't go in and talk directly to prisoners. I hear yeah, a lot how of How are you going to tell me what works for me? <laughs> that, exactly. When you, have, you, when know, you haven't uh, lived this life, yeah. Substance abuse counselors, the ones that they say are the best substance abuse counselors are those who have actually had the problem in the past. Social yeah. workers, yeah. social workers, not the piece of paper that they obtained in colleges because they weren't even taught about cultures, but it's the social workers that have been through the same situation, single parents or no, uh, or children or failed marriages or whatever it might have been. The ones that make the most important, important, important providers are the ones that have been through it, that can share their experience, that can relate to their clients, their clients can relate to them. No one knows what you're going through. No one knows what the prisoners are going, other prisoners are going through. And this is why it's so important for you to speak on behalf of not only yourself, but prisoners across the country who are going through, have gone through the same thing. And that's exactly what needs to happen. Tell me, there are, another thing is prisoners are stereotyped. A lot of times people connect prisoners with terrorists or they connect prisoners with 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 uh, serial killers can you tell the audience what the difference is with prison prisoners issues because prisoners should not be stereotyped there are all kinds of prisoners in all kinds of situations that need to be reviewed independently and 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 individually well one thing that i've noticed is that people fail to realize that we are human beings regardless of what we're in prison. You have 60 seconds remaining. I am a person. The guy next to me is a person. 
We have homes. We have families. We have broken homes. We have issues. But we are trying to figure out how to fix those. And in a controlled environment, we get a good understanding of it. But people are still people. We're just different. And there are things that aren't right in people, whether it's mental health, addiction, frustrations, animosity, whatever you may call it. There's something there. You have 30 seconds remaining. Austin, your time, I know your time is running out, and I want to thank you because you have given so much insight into what's going on in the prisons. You have shared your experiences, and we really, really respect you for that. And I thank you for being on with us, and I hope and pray that we will have you on with us again because you have a lot yeah, of maturity and insight. All right. Thank, thank you, you very so much. much. Yep. And I, I will keep you in prayer as well. Thank you, Lona. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for bringing Austin on with us. He is—he—he he sounds like a very, very mature young man. And unfortunately, okay. these are the type of sometimes that are in prison that do not belong in prison. We have so many under the age of 25 and even older, but we have so many who committed their first offense, first and only. And to be going through what they're going through, it's just not right. It's, we have a, a, a time in this in this era where people need to come together and try to help these prisoners who have made their mistakes, mm-hmm. you know, try to give them a second chance. This is a very mature young man. I was impressed with him. I was very impressed with him. Me too. I was yes. especially as a circuit friend. Uh, the good news for him is that at least Washington State realized that he deserved a chance for a second chance because of his age. Uh, in 2014, they passed a bill that will allow him to get, get parole after 20 years served because he was younger than 18. However, so we are, at least in Washington State and in some states, we're going towards that right path. But as you had mentioned, as, uh, as many books mentioned, we should start considering 25 years on younger because of what yeah. science says about it. Mm-hmm. Sadly. There are so many there are so many people, even at over the age of eighteen after high school, they go on to college. You know, there's still students, there's still a lot of pressure because you know, at at the age of fifteen, that's when they start to feel that's when their their hormones hormones take place. This is where they start to mature. And at the age of sixteen and seventeen is, is is when they feel like they're coming they're coming they're transitioning from adolescent from, from youth to adulthood. And this is very confusing for them. It's a very difficult time in their lives. And then when they go on to college, they don't know what they're going to be doing beyond that, that period of time. So they are now in between transitioning from high school to either college or the workforce. But they're maturing. Uh, they're, they're transitioning from adolescence to adulthood. And that is the most imperative time in their life. These are the times when we really need to look at having role models out there people, mentors, people to support them. And when they fall, people need to understand they're under intense pressure, peer pressure, uh, school pressure, society itself. We know all the things that are going on in this world. Everything is so chaotic. They need to, people need to understand and look at these situations. And I know people have lost loved ones, but they also, they also need to understand sometimes that mistakes are made and we need to keep all of this in prayer because we do need to look at victim and we need to look at the offenders who at one time too were victims. Or victims. So these yes, the victims. In, 
in the end all our victims and sometimes to try to put myself and in the victim situations i understand that is that probably would be really hard for me to overcome and that's why i think it's so important to try to uh, promote a program that will allow victims to overcome that situation because i'm sure it's not easy but it's big and also this victims understand that even the offenders how they call it right there were also victims in some way it could be age related it could be addiction related it could be for many other different reasons right and yeah like and everybody deserves or people deserve a chance for a second chance that doesn't mean they're gonna get it of course they had to work hard for it but the doc and everybody should be supporting these individuals to be very prepared for that chance of a second chance if you should just should be we all should be supporting rehabilitation because as alston said if tomorrow any of them gonna be my neighbors i want them to have a stable life with work and being able to make their own life without having to rely on their own habits exactly exactly and and, and mm -hmm. the thing is there's a, I, i'll mention this again because i watched it a couple of times i think it's very interesting van jones i don't know if that's the name of the show van jones show or what but he brings on victims and offenders and they sit down and they talk it out these are these are people families of victims or victims themselves who they they agree to to meet with the offender and they sit down and they talk about what caused it what the results were the pain that both sides were going through i think this is very good i think it's beneficial to help the victims or the family of the victims heal to help the the, the offender to be able to talk about it and to be able to show his remorse and and apologize for what he's done and it brings them together and i think this is something that a lot of others should start doing with these programs rather than the media and people in society turning against prisoners without knowing all the facts without understanding and without being the victims themselves they are the ones that that keep the pain and sorrow in the victim's heart and the family's heart they don't let it go they don't drop it and then you have the prosecution on this conduct where prosecutors will lie, will, will, will try to make the person look even worse than they are, the victim, the, the offender. There's so much in, yeah. the, the reason I mm -hmm. say these things is because there's no, they don't leave any openings for healing for the victims, their families, and it doesn't leave any, any, any door open for the, for the offender who may have changed throughout the years, you know, of maturity. And these are things that we need to look at as well, because there needs to be healing in this country or, they call it mass incarceration. It's going to continue to escalate until more people are going to be in prison than in, in the in the free world because everybody makes mistakes. And sometimes it it comes to, it comes to become it becomes a fatal uh, situation when it doesn't have to be if more of us try to help and support these people and try to help them before the the offense happens. But even now they're talking about prison reform people under the age of 25 but they're also saying it won't be retroactive well it should be retroactive because these people have already put in 15 20 25 35 years they deserve to be looked at before those who are now committing offenses and, and not being having to serve any time because of the new reform yes i agree with you 
I agree with you. It, everything should be react, retroactive. Of course, again, it's not like going to be a free pass for everybody, but everybody should get the chance to have the chance of a second chance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's fair when they pass bills to reduce uh, sentences uh, or or things that is, uh, and this doesn't apply to people already went through that because it's just not fair. Why? Why is somebody that's going to commit a crime in two years from now should get less years than somebody committed 20 years ago? That doesn't make sense at all. But at all. It doesn't. It's just, because people like, uh, like Austin, I mean, this is a young man that went in 15 years ago. If they didn't go retroactive, he would still be sitting, you know, he, he would probably still be sitting in, in prison for the rest of his life. And look at all the good that he's done since he's been in, you know, in maturing and, and trying to help himself. And I, I really hope that the public people in the community start realizing that, that prison is not the luxury that they think it is. And that the Department of Corrections officials are not the saviors that they, they, they think that they, they up against. Because then people go into prison, they come out worse than they went in. And that's a fact. That yes, is a because fact. they treat them like animals. So if you treat people like animals, they're going to behave like animals. Yeah. Most of the people that are serving sentences right now is going to get out sooner or later. And they're just going to behave like animals. Because everybody was just concerned about punishing them and treating them badly. And they're just going to go back into their old ways. Because nobody helped them. Right? Exactly. Another thing that I find, and I, not that all, not that all families of victims or victims have, have been like this, but one of the things I will say is, in this country and around the world, they say money is the root of all evil. So you see a lot of people in prison because they've robbed, you know, they've stolen, uh, and then then you see people in prison because of childhood traumas. You see people in prison because of of others on the in the outside who have deceived them, who have lied, who have used them, who, you know, all of these things that have happened. And there are victims and families of victims to this day after many, many years of these people being in prison who are still using all their efforts to destroy those people. You wonder why, if they're still doing it, knowing these people are serving their time, what it must have been like in the beginning. But we're going to be closing pretty soon, Cecilia, and I want to thank you once again for bringing these people on to give their voices because prisoners need to have a voice. And this has been a blessing to all of us to, to know more about what's going on. Yes, I really want yes, to thank you. We, now you don't have to take me something that I enjoy giving them the chance uh, to be heard because nobody gives them the chance to be heard. So uh, please contact us to my phone number that is 425-954-5458 if you want to get uh, his contact information or anything. And thank you. Uh, probably we can meet soon again with somebody else. Mm -hmm. Okay, can you give your number once again, Cecilia? Four two five nine five four five four five eight. And thank you That's so so much, everyone. Uh, please try to contact Cecilia and and talk more about it. Thank you, Cecilia, for being on with us. I really appreciate what you have done. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. And uh, talk to you soon. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Welcome back. 
thank you so much, Leona, for that interview. That was a great interview with Austin. Very moving and touching. What a great story. So this is Taylor Conley back here with the Life of a Lifer. And at this time, we'd like to answer some questions. So also, please feel free to get on Instagram or contact us through the lifeofalifer.com website or any other place where you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. We're all over the place here. So anywhere you want, you can contact us, get at us, ask us questions, give us comments, feedback. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you think. We want to know what you want to know. And maybe we can get that for you. As a matter of fact, I will get it for you whether it's from me or another lifer, we'll get those questions answered. So what I would like to, I would like to answer this question from a young, a young incarcerated individual that had the question of after serving a year and a half in, in detention, it was, it was a young lady and she said, uh, you know, I don't understand how you could serve so much time that, that they would basically uh, want to take their life. They, they couldn't handle it. They don't understand how you could do it. So I guess my my answer for that is, you know, it's a complex answer because, don't get me wrong, it, it's not that the thought hasn't ever crossed my mind. It's that I won't let it cross my mind because I think that doing something like that is weak. So when I think in my mind of taking the easy way out, I won't do it. You know, and a lot of people resort to drugs to numb the pain, but I think that that's weak as well. I used to do that a long time ago, before I got incarcerated, and then including into my first year of incarceration. It's not like it's not available, like people can't do that just because you're incarcerated. It's a choice still, either way. So. I myself made the choice to stop doing that and I decided to live for something, to have some hope for a future. You know, and it took me years of still in the wrong state of mind. It's all a state of mind. It's how you look at things, how you perceive things. You can perceive things either negative or positive. You can view things towards, oh, poor me. Or you can view things towards, well, you know, this is what it is. This is reality. And I got to do something with myself in order to find that motivation to have a purpose. You know, you got to find a purpose for life. And that, that translates to whether you're in here or out there. Because there's plenty of people that wake up feeling the same way, regardless of if they're incarcerated, they're they're out there in the free world or whatever else they're doing in their lives. People feel that same way, and that's why the, the rates of suicide are so high, is because people don't have a purpose, so they don't have meaning to their life. In myself, I found my purpose, and, you know, I expressed this earlier, but artwork through art has transpired and transformed my life, plus with love. You know, I think that those things are very important. And it's not always easy. It's not always easy, and that's where the strength comes in. you got to have the strength to persevere and know that you can make it no matter what. 
And if it doesn't kill you, it just makes you stronger. So if you live your life like that, you'll always be able to make it through any circumstance, no matter what. It's, it's just a perception. It's a point of view. It's a state of mind. The state of mind that you live in. If you have the mind state where you're never going to let that beat you, you're never going to let that take you in such a way that you're going to get so down that you don't want to be here anymore, you know? And I think we all have a purpose in life. We just have to find it. And I, I thank you for the question, and I hope that you get to hear this answer because, you know, I'm sure that you have a great purpose within yourself and within whatever art that you find because life is an art and the journey is the canvas. So you are the artist to paint the picture of the life that you want to have. Thank you very much. And I just want to say again that if you follow us on Instagram at a life of a lifer and send us a message, comment on us, send us a question, you will be entered into the drawing to win a free Life of a Lifer ball cap. And that is A, the letter A, Life of a Lifer on Instagram. All right. Thank you very much and look forward to next week as Seth Anthony is going to join us. We look forward to that. Thank you very much. Have a great day.